motherfuckers lost I cost a trick, you tell you got it wrong Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. The 2017 French presidential election was held on the 23rd of April. As no candidate won a majority in the first round, a runoff was held between the top two candidates, Emmanuel Macron of En Marche and Marine Le Pen of the National Front. Macron won by a decisive margin on the 7th of May. Le Pen is a known fascist, as is her party, the National Front. The election ultimately became about defeating or preventing a fascist rise to administrative government in France. But what of this other guy, Macron? What's he about? And is his election ultimately about curbing the steady right-wing movement in French society? Macron is a neoliberal. As a minister in Hollande's government, he was instrumental in the attacks against organised labour, against young people, against pensions, just to name a few things. And what happened to the left? They weren't even contenders in the election, really. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, the former leader of the Left Front and presidential candidate in election round one, portrayed himself as a radical left-winger. Except in his election campaign, he called for a national draft in order to prepare the French army for major wars abroad and for a stepped-up intervention in police operations in France in the context of the state of emergency. So where to for the French working class and what of the deep racist divisions between white and migrant workers? To discuss this issue and more, Horea Butelja from the Indigenous Party of the Republic. This party describes itself as a movement denouncing the colonial past of France, fighting discrimination against the descendants of the colonised populations and, more broadly, against the racist and colonialist ideology that, according to them, underlies the current social policies of the French state. Horea herself is Algerian. Translating for us today is Sophie Dutetch, a lefty from Melbourne. Alors d'abord, je pense que euh, Macron, elle a parlé tout à l'heure de conscience des masses. Euh, Macron is a compromise between fascism and revolution. For the French state, it was very important to defeat Marine Le Pen in terms of social peace. And, and that resulted in electing Macron. But defeating Marine Le Pen was, was the most important thing. But somehow it doesn't mean that she didn't win because she, her score is twice what her father achieved. Um, she scored twice the number of votes of her father and it means she, she now represents the main opposition party in France, which, which represents a lot of power. And therefore this victory is the new reality of Europe where fascism is expanding rapidly. And so, in, in, you know, the other side of, of fascism is now the business world and liberalism. And a lot of French people voted for liberalism as opposed to fascism uh, by fear of fascism. But a, a lot of people in the left wing in France now do not want to vote for the sort of less um, damaging scenario. 
la conscience des masses. Which is why abstentionism, like not voting, has become a very large party in France. So there's a mass consciousness that um, leads to fascism, but there's also a mass consciousness that leads to social revolution. And we saw it before the election with the uh, labor law and, and the protests against labor law. However, that mass consciousness is not organized. The challenge for us is that Mélenchon, who represents the left, he doesn't represent the extreme left, he just represents the real left. Um, it is an alternative, but it's not a post-colonial alternative. Like the post-colonial question wasn't part of his thinking. And so for us, it leaves a gap. So it's it's a left, it's the left, but it's the nationalist left, the republican left, and it doesn't take account um, anti-colonialism, uh, anti-imperialism. It doesn't take into account anti-imperialism. I think it's clear that, and this election demonstrates it's clear that French society has moved far, so far backwards that actually this election was a contest between the the conservative right wing and the fascist. That's how far backwards I think this election demonstrates French society has moved to. As far as I could tell, at least from here, the left wasn't even a contender in this election. Alors, c'est la fois vrai et faux, puisque en, en réalité, euh, euh, il y a encore quelques années, on n'avait même pas ce qu'a pu représenter Mélenchon, parce que si on, si on regarde le premier tour... So it's, it's true and false, because if you look a few years back, there wasn't even someone like Mélenchon. And Mélenchon got 20% of the vote, which is almost as much as Macron. So he managed to gather around him all the opposing forces to liberalism. Et j'ajoute que, 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 que Macron, c'est effectivement un homme de, de droite d'un point de vue économique, mais c'est aussi... Il a, il a une... Macron représente somehow a new liberalism, because while he's right-wing liberal, socially, what he, what he represents is quite new. Like, he's not anti-Islam, and he's not um, one of those secular, you know, secular against everything, secular against Islam forces. He actually thinks around integrated Muslims to French society and a new social pact, which would be able to bring social peace with Muslims as part of it. La domination extérieure et donc garantir la grandeur de la France, de poursuivre dans l'idée de poursuivre, de garantir. And so this this peace within France would lead to imperialism externally. Well, I, and I think this is precisely the analysis that is required right now because I, I wonder if people are just happy that someone other than Le Pen was elected, but actually Macron's policies are on the same line as fascism because, as we've talked about before, there is no road for capitalism. It is the crisis is so deep. It is running out of space. So 
if you, I, I myself am a Marxist, and one of the things Marx said is that at the end of capitalism, there is either socialism or barbarism. So Macron's, yes. Macron's program does not lead to socialism. As you said, his program leads to imperialism, the, the highest form of yes. capitalism. So that is effectively the same line of fascism. If we fail to analyse him, his policy, particularly his market and economic conservatism, we will fail to see the line he is on. Yes. I think it would be worthwhile to actually look at the things he did when he was a minister in Hollande's government. So he supported extending state of emergency. He supported press censorship. He supported arbitrary detention. These are all very repressive state policies, again, that push in the direction we spoke about. Yes. Exactement. Exactement. Personne n'est dupe. Yeah, exactly. No, no one is. Um, no one is fooled. No one is fooled. That is what I want to know. So that is, that's very good that you said that, because it is hard to read from where we are whether um, French society uh, is fooled by his policies, um, particularly given, and you mentioned this before, the um, demonstrations against the the labour laws and the attempt at, at um, smashing what little protections exist. So the workers who, I mean, you said that they were not organised, but um, certainly they were opposing these these moves. What do they say about um Euh, Macron. Alors bon, d'abord c'est une évidence que ce sont les classes moyennes qui ont soutenu les classes moyennes qui vont bien. So the, Macron was clearly elected by the uh, middle class. Um, the working class is not fooled and they voted, those who voted for Macron voted for him because they voted against Marine Le Pen. So now it's about, you know, what are the next five years going to deliver? We've got five years to achieve something, and what are we going to do with those five years? Well, I mean, that's a very good question. I would actually put that question back on you. Uh, he has come after everybody. You know, we talked about the workers he came after. He also has come after youth. It looks like the only group of people he is not directly targeting, actually, is Muslims and the middle class, where his support comes from. So what do you think the next five years are actually going to look like? Alors, euh, so he hasn't attacked Muslims in his speech because he does not want to create the conditions of a civil war, which would happen if he if he attacked Islam, because it would it would undermine his liberal politics, and he's got to take into account the role of the state and and maintaining maintaining peace. So there is there is a logic to to running to the state, which is about controlling the anger of the population, and his liberal politics are going to anger the population, and so logically he's going to have to strengthen the police and the police state. So there's going to be a contradiction between his his discourse, which is one of social peace, and the impact of his policies, which are going to create anger and tension, and and lead to a more security-driven um, 
security driven policies and there's, there's necessarily going to be an opposition between those. Well, I want to ask you a question about this. Again, I'm going to bring a little bit of political theory into the conversation because I think it's important to look at the theory in practice, right? So while we are talking about Macron's policies being on a very particular trajectory, so in the direction of imperialism, and you're talking about it's necessary for him to strengthen the, uh, the forces of the state, okay? So again still in the same direction. So you build up the army, you build up the police, you quell, uh, you you stop saying the things that are going to drive the population crazy for now, okay, and then you start, so once you've built up the forces of the state and then you can do whatever you want and your army is strong enough to repress the workers when they rise. But there, there is another problem in French society, in France, and this is uh, an area that you've, I suspect, spent your life fighting around and trying to work around, and that is the, uh, the racism inherent in the working class at the moment. And actually yes. we saw when uh, the jungle in Calais was uh, smashed, um, in the lead-up yes. to that, we saw truck drivers, organised, unionised truck drivers opposing Muslims in the jungle in Calais, saying that they were terrorists, that they were violent, that they um, promoted crime and these kinds of things. So it is clear that the working class is divided in France because actually the the power and the strength is in the unity between Muslim workers, Muslim refugees in France and the working class. Their interests are more aligned. Yeah. What is it going to take for workers in France to realise this? Is Is there any move in that direction or have we lost before we've even started because we can't make that very basic connection. There's going to be a challenge. The challenge for us is going to be between the race question and the priority question, so between the radical left and what we call here the indigenous population, which what what is what Uria calls uh, the indigenous populations in France are the populations that came out of the empire, out of colonization. Um, so it's a very different um, context from the Australian context. So there, there is a question between the radical left and, and the indigenous populations in France. And Mélenchon succeeded in getting 20% of the vote amongst the white population. And he completely neglected to talk about those neo-indigenous questions around post-colonialism. So the, the condition of his success to, to, to the white pop, uh, in, in the white population was that he did not mention the racial question. So he, he did not attack the police, he did not attack Islamophobia, he actually thinks Islamophobia does not exist, and he did not attack imperialism so, or, or state racism. So the foundation of his success was his ability not to target those issues. But they, they are still exactly. issues and they're going to have to be dealt with. Exactly. I guess my, my question is, what is it, I can't see a way forward for the working class if French society, if workers, if the working class in France does not 
C, its strength in its unity. And we are so far away from that in France right now. The question is, what will it take? Because, I mean, maybe we should talk about the jungle and when it was smashed and disbanded. What, where are those people now and what is the legacy that has been left in the social consciousness about those refugees? Le problème de la de la ce que ce que ce que vous appelez la classe ouvrière française, c'est qu'elle ne fait pas le lien entre son entre ce qui lui arrive à elle et effectivement la question so, des réfugiés. The problem with the the French the the working class in France is that it does not make the link between its own fate and the fate of refugees and the the question of terrorism and the question of imperialism, and it would be a lot more. Um, efficient in, in its thinking if it could link those things together and link them to its own future. However, instead of this, it is focused on the anti-labor laws. It's focused all its intention on the El Khomri laws, which is the, the labor, the, the reforms of the, the labor laws. C'est ce qui va c'est ce qui va rendre plus facile la répression du mouvement social. Il ne comprend pas que pour So Mélenchon, for instance, would be well advised to understand the connection between police repression and social repression. So the repression against uprisings in the the suburbs and 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 repression against refugees. And he doesn't understand that to to weaken police repression against the population in the suburbs, for instance, you have to deal with the repression against refugee groups. It's the same. It's the same fight. Effectivement, aujourd'hui, il va, il va se retourner contre le mouvement social. Oui, je disais que Macron, que que le que que Macron aujourd'hui, il va utiliser. So Macron, Macron is going to use the state of emergency to repress the social movements that Mélenchon represents and that Mélenchon is behind. And Mélenchon is going to end up being a victim of that state of emergency. Say, say more about that. So when the terrorist attacks happened in France and the state of emergency was imposed, um, it resulted, the, the social movement, there was no social movement against it. And the state of emergency resulted in about 4,000 Muslim families being um, investigated and having, having the police, you know, investigated and, and, and brutally so. And there was no social reaction against it. And so the, the El Khomri law um, came just after this. The, the, the law about the, the labor rights in France came just after this. And, and then there was a social movement. Then society mobilized. So in reaction to the labor law, there was strong mobilization. It was large and it was long. However, that, that social mobilization had not been preoccupied by the quasi-surgical attacks against Muslims and against families and population in the suburbs. And then that mobilization against the labor laws was wondering why the Muslims weren't on side, why the suburbs weren't on side with them, without analyzing how they themselves hadn't supported the attacks on those suburbs in the first place. So that, that state of emergency, when it was imposed by the state, 
by the French state, that there was no real social movement against it. Somehow they embraced it. And now the state of emergency is actually turning against the social protests, against the social movement. Of course. I mean, that is what that, that is what every state of emergency is about. One way or another, it will come back on the left or the dissidents or the only class in society that has the power to to change the system. That is the trajectory yes. right across history and we never learn from history. Yes. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Horea Botelja from the Indigenous Party of the Republic, a political party organised around those from post-colonial French states. Horea is being interpreted here by Sophie Dutech. Well, I want to I want to change the conversation just a tiny bit because again, I want to look at the divisions in the working class, only because I think this is the only access to any change in France and in the world. But particularly, uh, and this is a common tactic again of fascists and organised fascists, in in the election campaign, in the lead up to the election, Le Pen made direct approaches to working class communities. It it is a... um, as I, as I said, it's a tried and true method of um, dividing workers. The fascist sound, their rhetoric sounds very pro-worker. They talk about, you know, redistributing wealth and these kinds of things. Did her, did her efforts to, um, to win white workers over to the fascist program, was that actually successful in the end? Alors, euh, d'abord... Euh so this idea that she can divide from above, it's actually, I don't agree with that because the division already exists because it's in the interest of the white working class to hang on to its white privilege. When things are, when things are shaky, it does, that's what it does. It hangs on to its privilege. So the division between working class, like white working class and, and indigenous working class already exists. So this is, this is when a criticism of the nation state is due, because the nation state, which is very strong in France, relies on its white population to, to support it. And so it relies on white privilege. And, and in giving its white population dignity and a sense that they have the power. And of course, Marine Le Pen plays on this. And of course, she succeeds in attracting part of, part of the working class to her policy. But, but you have to also take into account that she hasn't fully succeeded because you have to take into account the, the number of people who abstained. And, and some of them were white and some of them were not. But it means she did not succeed in bringing all of them to her policies because many of them abstained. Well, let's talk about the uh, the politics of abstention because many um, on the socialist left, the very small parties, not contenders in the election, many people called for workers to abstain from the election. How reasonable a demand was that? What happens? What would have happened if everybody abstained? And also, if everybody voted for left candidates or Macron, would would we be in a different situation? Uh, je pense que, uh, 
si Marine Le Pen était arrivée. If Marine Le Pen had been elected, uh, I don't think that the French institutions and the French state would have enabled her to make her program possible because she is fundamentally anti-European and the, the French state would have not would not have enabled this to happen. And also there would have been a massive uprising because all these people who abstained would have protested against her election. So it, it, her election would have led to a massive social uprising from those who, who rightly so, encouraged abstention and called for, you know, for people to abstain from voting. Her election would have led to a massive social uprising. Because amongst those who abstained, there, there were a lot of anti-fascists and a lot of radicals who, who really uh, appeal for uh, the end of the policy of the, the, the least worst scenario. Where to from here? How, how do we break the white supremacist ideology within the working class of France such that workers recognise what their interests are and where their interests are more aligned and organise for actually breaking through uh, to the other side? Oui, alors, uh, ce qui qui me semble important. Alors, d'abord, on est pessimiste. Il n'y a, a pas de raison d'être très, très optimiste. Mais en même temps, c'est aussi un moment charnière où il y a plein de possibles. Et parmi les possibles, c'est, uh, comme je vous l'ai dit tout à l'heure... This is a time to be pessimist. We can't help but be pessimistic. However, this is a key moment. And for us, as indigenous people, people coming out of colonialism, we cannot trust the left around Mélenchon because it does not challenge imperialism. But it is a time of many possibilities. So in a way, we're back to basic. We're back to organizing ourselves politically. How do we organize a political force that can propose an alliance with the left and the left, the left of Mélenchon? And including Mélenchon, but the left of the Socialist Party. Um, so how can we can we be, you know, a, a strong enough political force to negotiate those alliances? Knowing that this is not just a French struggle, it's 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 it goes beyond the borders of France. It's it's a European struggle and an international struggle. That was Horea Botelja from the Indigenous Party of the Republic, a political party organised around those from post-colonial French states. Horea was being interpreted by Sophie Dutetch. And that's all we have time for on today's episode of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.
This is a strong 